Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. And I am Doris Hansen, your host, and we do have a great show planned for you tonight. Uh, but first, a reminder that I'll be speaking at the Mountain View Bible Church in Laverkin, Utah, this coming Sunday morning. And if you live in the area, uh, I'd love to meet you and just chat with what's ever on your heart. And if there's anyone there in the area who has come from a polygamy background and you'd like to talk, I'd love to meet with you and, and hear your story and, and just get to know you a little better. You can call or email us to set up a time when we can meet while we're down there. Uh, you can email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com or you can call in tonight at 801-973-8820 and just leave some contact information and I'll call you back and we can set up a time to meet while we're there. Uh, tonight, especially for tonight's show, I think that we need to uh, re restate what our disclaimer is, our official disclaimer for the show. And that is that as we discuss issues on our show, we are dealing with both polygamist and Mormon doctrine. Polygamists use the same doctrinal books as the LDS use. They believe and teach the same uh, basic foundational doctrine as the mainline Mormon church believes and teaches. In fact, Joseph Smith belongs to the polygamists as much or more than he belongs to the mainline Mormon church because they follow Joseph Smith's teachings and in his walk and his footsteps even more closely than the mainstream LDS church does. If the Mormon fundamentalists are wrong, then the original Mormon church was also wrong. And if they were wrong, then the current LDS church is wrong. But our purpose is that we desire that they would all come to the knowledge of biblical truths and so be saved. On February 9th, <clears throat> we, uh, on our show, we did the Mormon polygamy timeline. We had a lot of responses from that show. One of the emails we received uh, after that show I would like to read uh, she said, wow, what a show tonight. Just amazing and inspired. I think you are really getting through, don't you? I'm in awe of what's happening with your show and Sean's and can only imagine what will be the impact of the X-Files. I think God's work is superbly manifest in Salt Lake City and that you are all just wonderful. Well, I thought that would be a good way to open up tonight's show. Well, we already opened up. <laughs> I guess we'll kind of add to it. But we want to thank our viewer for the encouraging email, uh, which we do need from time to time. But tonight we are going to do another book review. And the book that uh, we're going to review tonight is entitled Where Mormonism Meets Biblical Christianity Face-to-Face. -face. And many of you are probably familiar with it. The graphic is on the screen of that book. We've had a lot of input from different individuals who have suggested that we promote this book on our show. And it is so comprehensive and accurate, it's easy to read, and their thinking is that we need to help get the word out about the contents of that book. Well, in thinking about their suggestion, I thought instead of promoting the book, why not just invite the author to come on the show and do it himself? And so our guest tonight is the author of Where Mormonism Meets Biblical Christianity Face-to-Face, Sean McCraney. Good to be here. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me, Doris. It's good to have you here. We got a good conversation settled. And just in case 
just in case. Now, I know this is a remote possibility, but just in case there might be one or two viewers out there who do not know who you are, would you explain what you do, explain your show, when you do it, why you do it, and, and where you do it? Uh, right directly across from you on the sound stage is another uh, stage that we do Heart of the Matter on Tuesday nights, 8 to 9 p.m., uh, live, just like uh, Polygamy, What Love Is Us, and we compare and contrast Mormonism with biblical Christianity. We've been on the air for uh, over six years, uh, and uh, we just try to do the best we can. Sometimes <laughs> I fail. Uh, unlike you in that opening, I, I mess up. And, and, uh, and that adds to the uh, intrigue of how the heck we're able to accomplish anything. But uh, God is with us, and our hearts are right, and we want to reach LDS people just like you do. Well, part of my disclaimer should say we never promise to be professional. <laughs> exactly. Right. It should preface every show that's done here. Well, this book is, um, is an awesome book. It's, it's informative. It's detailed. Uh, you've put a lot of work into it. I'm sure it took you a long time to get it ready. And probably a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and prayers to uh, to get it ready for for publishing. But it's a very good book. It's good for people, whether they are out of Mormonism, in Mormonism, in polygamy, to read it and get familiar with these doctrines. Uh, you are going on a summer tour we to are. promote the book. Is that That's what right. you're going for? Do you want to explain that a little bit? Well, we're, uh, what we have planned is we have Alathia representatives all through the United States. <laughs> And we've contacted them, and they are uh, taking the book and brochures out to the radio stations and the Christian churches and the ministries in their area, and they are setting up the appointments that we're going to have, and we've kind of split the, uh, the nation up into four parts. Mm -hmm. And we're, just, we're, we're setting it up now, and then we're going to go out and just build off what's uh, been established and see what the Lord does. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. That's going to be it's a very exciting. It's a grassroots approach. Yeah. Yeah, that's good though. I think the country needs to hear what's in there too. Yeah. Now, I want to, what I want to do is discuss some of the chapter headings, some of the contents of the chapter headings, where especially where the doctrines of, of Mormonism and polygamy don't divide, where okay. they're they're basically the same. But first, uh, I want to quote page five of your book. On page five, you wrote, "Quote." And this should go up on the screen. Mormonism claims to be not only Christian, they also claim to be the only true Christian faith on earth. Because of that claim, their doctrines are worthy of all scrutiny and criticism relative to what the Bible teaches. Now, basically, I think this is why you do your show on Tuesday night. It is. That's why we do our show, because they claim and the more polygamists also think they're Christian. They, I don't think they really know what it is to be a Christian. They claim they're Christian, but they don't teach what Christians believe. Mm -hmm. And just like the mother church, the polygamists contend that Joseph Smith and the other early church authorities said, uh, and they taught, thus saith the Lord, thou must practice polygamy marriage, pl plural marriage, or be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Well, the Lord didn't saith that. Right. And when they say the Lord saith, we have a right to challenge it sure. and to prove it. And so that's basically what uh, we are going to do. We're go we have the right and the duty to scrutinize what they claim, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to start, your chapters don't start with one, two, three, they start with ABC. Yeah. So we're going to start with the beginning, which is A, Adam and Eve. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, Mormonism teaches a horribly twisted perspective of the sin in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. So would you uh, t uh, talk about what they teach and how that differs from what biblical Christianity teaches? 
Well, uh, Mormonism uh, says that God had kind of a wink-wink plan with Adam and Eve. And it was, listen, I'm going to give you a tree. Don't eat of it. Don't eat of it. Hurry, hurry, eat of it. Don't eat of it. And, and it was this... It was a strange approach to get Adam and Eve to disobey him so that they would learn how to create children. Mm -hmm. And by learning to create children, they would bring all the spirits that are up in heaven to come down and that would fulfill Heavenly Father's plan. So that is the LDS view, of course, the Christian view. And when I was, when I was coming out of the Mormon church, this is one of the first things that made me say, you know, I don't get it. Yeah. Because the Christian view is God said, Follow me, have fellowship with me, everything will be right, we'll have a paradisiacal uh, life here. Um, but if you choose not to and you don't want to willfully follow me, go ahead and eat that fruit and all kinds of trouble will happen. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what brought sin into this world. But the Mormon's mm -hmm. view is God... His way is he welcomes sin to come into this world. Yeah, he designed it to come in. They, yeah. Somebody said, one of the Mormon church uh, people said, they, did, they didn't fall downward, they fell upward yeah. when they sinned. Yeah. So to the viewing audience, I mean, explain to me any time, and this is harsh, you know, a, a, a child is raped, a, 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 a person dies, uh, somebody suffers horribly from disease. The Mormon view is God said that's a good thing. Yeah. The Christian view is, God has never intended these things to, inha to happen. So if it was a good thing for them to disobey God and eat from the tree, there's a lot of bad theology in that, but if it was a good thing, why did Satan have to tempt him to do it? Exactly. You know, he knew that that was going to uh, fulfill the, God's plan. Why would he do it? That's, it's a great, it's a great yeah. point. Uh, in your book, you quoted Joseph Fielding Smith. He said, quote, This was a transgression of the law but not a sin in the strict sense, for it was something Adam and Eve had to do, end quote. And yet in 1 John 3, 4, it says, whoever commits sin transgresses the law, for sin is the transgression yeah. of the law. Yeah, so yeah, Joseph yeah. Fielding Smith didn't know what he was talking he about. He didn't. Do any of them? No, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> they they kind of think that they have understood it intellectually, so they make stuff up. Mm -hmm. They don't really care what the manual says. Right. Do they? They don't. They don't. They don't follow it. And well, and when well, they don't follow it. Yeah. They have it. So uh, they didn't do a good thing when they disobeyed. It was not the right thing to do. Never. They did not have to. They, they God told them before they ate the tree and before Genesis chapter three. Mm -hmm to go and, and multiply mm -hmm. and fill the earth. That's right. He wouldn't tell them to do something it was impossible for them to do. They didn't have to sin before they could have kids. The LDS say they did. I they know. Had, yeah. And so, you know, it's interesting because Adam, with his intellect, did name all the animals. Yeah. He had an ability to name the animals appropriately. Yeah. Uh, they could... So, I don't know. I guess the whole thing comes down to, and it often does, which is kind of points to your program and what the whole thing is about, is kind of like sex. Mm -hmm. It is about sex because Adam and Eve had to have knowledge to have sex. And the only way they were going to get the knowledge was to bring sin into this in, world. To have it in sin. Yeah, yeah. And to have it in sin. And it makes it, it's, yeah, it's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, a negative thing on that. So to think that God can tempt or plans sin to get his yeah. program in place is yeah. so wrong. It's it diabolical. It is so wrong. It yeah. is diabolical. Okay, the next topic is um, your, your chapter on family. 
on your F chapter. And uh, I've kind of put kind of the marriage thing in that because with, through the polygamy group, they believe the same thing that mm -hmm. the Mormon church believes, uh, that you have to have families, you have to have marriage, but with them, of course, it's polygamy, plural marriage, right. before you can please God. So would you share the Mormon view of family and marriage as, as it relates to salvation? Well, uh, or celestial glory, I should say. Doctrine and Covenants 132, it speaks both of marriage and celestial marriage, polygamous marriage, which you can talk about. But bottom line, in order to achieve the highest degree of celestial glory as a Latter-day Saint, you must be sealed in the, in the new and everlasting covenant and then uh, live your life according to the covenants you've made to the closest of perfection as you can. And uh, Bruce R. McConkie says it's the most important thing you will do on this earth is to get married. When Joseph Smith and Brigham Young were alive, it was to get married a lot of times. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the Mormon view. Uh, in, in effect, that makes the family almost equally worshipped as God himself. Well, it makes, it makes having the family and what you do part of being the Savior. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. if anything you could do to save yourself, that takes this being the Savior away from Jesus takes and it right puts away. it on something else. Good point. And of course, with, with polygamy, um, the polygamy groups, they all believe that you've got to be a polygamist hmm. to, in order to reach celestial glory. Uh, what I don't get is it only takes two wives to make a polygamist. But they keep taking more and more and more, and the leaders of the group, and, and Brigham Young and Joseph Smith, they all have multiple wives, Warren Jeffs, and you know the leaders of these groups. All, but it only takes two wives to make a person a polygamist. Why do they have to have so many multiple wives? I'd I'm guessing that it's kind of built on that scheme of you know how great shall be your glory if you should bring one soul, how great will be your glory if you bring many souls. So you get celestial glory with an extra wife, you get super <laughs> celestial high-powered glory with many. You get all those worlds and all those extra Tons babies, the the eternal yeah. lives that they talk about. Yeah. So, it, but the family and marriage, although is important here, we, we know that, but it has nothing to do with, with salvation, eternal life, resurrection, it has nothing to do with nothing any of all. it. Nothing at all. And Jesus, you know, he said, the people of this world marry, the children of this world marry, and are given in marriage. It's not that it's, a, it's ordained of God, like you said, but it's of this world. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with the world to come. And yet, mm -hmm. Joseph brought down heaven, brought it into this polygamous thing. And I feel so bad for those people you reach to. Uh, I've had the chance to meet a few. I know you really deal with them. And I just can't believe what it does to the women. It, just, oh, it's awful. Oh, it just it's, it's hollows awful. them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes really them, Makes them into plastic people. Yeah. And, and the, the sad part is that there, there isn't any, uh, at first anyway, when, when someone gets out of a group, male or female, when they get out of the group, they have been so indoctrinated and so frightened to think on their own mm. that they can't, they, it's difficult for them to make decisions oh, at first. Yeah. How, how do they turn? How do, what do they do? How do they do it? They don't know how. Right. And it, they, may, they become just kind of like automatons. Mm -hmm. And it's sad. It? I, I've been working this with a woman. Um, and I talked with her this afternoon. Um, she'd been trying to get on housing, and she didn't have a history. Hmm. She didn't have a credit rating. She did. Well, she do, of course not. And yeah. I said, if you want me to talk to them and explain to them what polygamy does to life, I will be happy to. Of course, you know, sometimes you can't interfere with the government, right. you know. But still, that's what it does. It just is. It's very uh, awful. I've been meaning to ask you something. Just interrupt. So would you say that Warren Jeffs and what he did and what he does and how the, is that a good picture of what Joseph Smith started? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
Warren Jeffs is following Joseph Smith's footsteps. Yeah. It, he probably read Todd Compton's book in Sacred Lowliness and mm. followed a lot of what he did there. Wow. Only, of course, the Bible says that evil men and imposters will go worse and worse. And mm. so he's naturally has spiraled down okay. to a worse point. Okay. But yeah, he, he's based, mm. and so are the other. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it is. And you can't, you can't really say, well, they didn't know they were doing wrong, because he does know. He said, if, he made the remark one time that if, in, if the outside world found out what I was doing, they'd hang me from the highest tree. So he knew he was doing wrong. Sure. But yeah. still, he's, oh, yeah. he's got a mindset problem as well. Hmm. The next chapter um, is in your K chapter. And it's kind of an odd topic. And yet I think that it's one of the greatest. Mm. And it's your knowing or mm. epistemology. Mm. Um, if our LDS and polygamous viewers would just pay attention to this one point, I think, uh, that it would change their eternity. Mm. If they would really pay attention and look into it. That's how important it is. Many people ask us, I'm sure you get this, how can I know what's true? Especially mm -hmm. if they're seeking and their world is turning upside down. How can I know what's true? And it's a great question. But you know, when little Mormon or fundamentalist children speak their little children testimonies saying, I know these things are true. Mm -hmm. How can they know it's true? Right. How right. can they know that? Right. Just echoing what they've been taught. Say it enough till they believe it, right? How can the adults know? Right. If right. they don't study, right. if they don't look in all sides of the situation and check these things out, how do they know? They say it comes by the Holy Spirit telling them. That's what the LDS say. That's how they know, and therefore their knowing is superior to anybody else's. Unfortunately, they don't bring in the account that other peoples of other faiths suggest that their knowing is just as good, just as uh, is equivalent <laughs> As, uh, as theirs. So how can anyone know on this basis of feeling, of this basis of God told me? I mean, D God told David Koresh to do what he did, according to Koresh. Mm -hmm. God spoke mm -hmm. to Jim Jones. How can anyone know between all these factors who is true? Well, so the answer is? Back to Warren Jeffs. He says God told him to do these yeah. things. So? So who's, who's legitimate here? I right. mean, how do you, there's got to be a standard. And what is that standard? That is the question. <laughs> what is the standard of knowing? And we hold it in our laps, yeah. uh, you know, um, it's the Bible. Mm -hmm, it is. Uh, in fact, if Mormonism and fundamentalism is true, then God is a liar mm -hmm. and Jesus Christ is a deceiver. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. That's right. And they teach that it needed restoration because the gates of hell did prevail. And if there anyone who believes in a restoration, they are calling Jesus a deceiver. And that's what the Pharisees did. Mm. They called Jesus mm. a deceiver. That's problematic, isn't it? It's very problematic. <laughs> it's, now, it's something that they need to research. Yeah. yeah. And, and I hope that as they read, and of course, the book, your book has much more detail than we're covering tonight. Right. We're just, you know, skimming over some of this stuff. The, the purpose is to compare and contrast what the Bible says. And like you said, if Mormonism, uh, uh, fundamentalist Mormonism is true, Doris, the Bible's false. Mm -hmm. Throw the thing away. So you can't have both. And the elders try to say, well, we believe in it. Not so much, but we believe in it. You cannot have both. And that's what kind of was a determining factor to me. Look at it cannot be true. So therefore, uh, I'm going to choose the Bible over Joseph Smith or anybody else. Well, the Bible came first. Yeah. And since the Bible came first and then Joseph Smith comes in afterwards and says, well, you can't trust its translation. Well, the, the burden of proof is on him. Sure. 
But they've taken it and put the burden of proof on the Bible yeah. rather than on Joseph Smith. Yeah. And that's not the way it works. Right. That isn't the way it works. Yeah, when someone tells you uh, you can't trust the Bible, it's not trust, translated correctly, just tell them, show me what's not translated correctly. We won't read those parts. We'll read everything else and see what it says. But they can't even do that. Mm -hmm. they, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible, really. It's probably the worst thing Joseph Smith did. Uh, you might disagree with that, but he made people not trust the Bible. Well, that's what the serpent did in the garden. Yeah, absolutely. The first question asked in the Bible was from the devil, and he said, did God say? Uh, yeah. So they're just mimicking, they're just following what, what happened point. there. Um, on page 368 of your book, you said uh, you list tactics that religious charlatans employ on unsuspecting people to draw them into their religion. All these tactics basically empowers the deceiver to be the holder of the truth that others need to know in order to get to heaven. Mm. Come over here, because we only have the truth, right? Yeah. Would you explain how unbiblical that idea is and briefly what some of those tactics are that our culture uses? Uh, no, I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, I mean, not I can't do it exhaustively. Bottom line is, um, the, Jesus told, uh, when he was on trial, he said, I've taught you openly. Yeah. There's no Gnostic. Nothing in secret. There's no Gnostic information. There's nothing secret that the gospel is about. You, you, you take it. Did, do you believe he lived? Do you believe he was resurrected? You read the facts. That's all it is. Secret Gnostic information started really early. In fact, John wrote to the Gnostics because it was so empowering. This has had a power on people to say, we have the secret knowledge. You need to have it in order to get to heaven. And like you said, Doris, most uh, groups that are cultic, uh, use this secret Gnostic information to draw people in. Ah, they have the way. Mm -hmm. And the way they do it is, uh, you know, through rituals and rites and secret passcodes and, and uh, on and on and on, secret books, secret revelations, etc. And they also, don't they, don't they kind of rely on things like feelings? We've already talked about that. Feelings Burning in the bosom, uh, which is part of the feeling part. But that's a specific feeling that you almost have to have that in order to uh, have a testimony of the Book of Mormon, don't sure, you? That the, sure, the sure. Got to have the burning in the, the bosom. And the tears and, and just the, the... Emotionalism. They can get up and, and give their testimony in tears. They're, they're genuine tears right. coming down. You know, there's a film that the LDS used that we used to show when I was on my mission. <laughs> And I, I showed this to investigators, and it used to bring them to tears, and it was a mother recounting the story of a child that she lost, and then they would show her cutting vegetables and break down in tears. And I showed that so many times and got people to cry, and then later I thought, that wasn't the mother, and this wasn't... She, it looked like she was really cutting vegetables and started crying. It was not. None of it was. Watch the LDS commercials. They're all bent with oboe music and tears and emotion. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's how Hitler got people, with tears and emotion, emotion. and this emotional drivers. The Bible doesn't work off that. No. I mean, the Bereans look for information. Right. And these are the facts, you know. Search the scriptures and find out. Um, Proverbs 14:12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end leaves to death. Wow, great, great scripture. That's exactly what they do. It seems right to them. Uh, it honestly does. It really does. The, the, to the Mormons, they, they, they think they're doing the right thing. The polygamists, you know, it might be a little different with them because there's a lot of people in polygamy that doesn't feel right to them, but that they think that's what they need to do. Mm. But 
even if it feels right, you just got to check it out because the Bible itself says it leads to death. You know, when you first start reading the Bible, there's some things in there that I found that did not make me feel so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Taking a look at my sinful nature. Talks about hell and stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So feeling really doesn't have anything to do with truth. It's not the barometer for truth. Not at all. Not at all. It's the caboose of, of, of epistemology. Uh, the, the, the driving force are facts, faith, and then feelings mm -hmm. on the facts and the faith, the LDS reverse it. Mm -hmm. They make feelings the engine. <laughs> feelings, feelings, feelings. We don't care about the facts. They're at the caboose. They'll come later, yeah, yeah. if they come at all. If at all. Uh, and, and you said in your book, too, our heart will hear what it wants to hear. Sure. Our ears will hear. Sure, my heart feels exactly what it wants. Mm -hmm. De yep. Deceptive, uh, everything else. And that's why I, the book is what keeps me on track. It does. It absolutely does. Uh, Jesus said in Mark 4.24, consider carefully what you hear. Mm. Mm. And he said in Luke 8.18, consider carefully how you listen. Mm. You know, we, you, our ear, we'll hear what we want to hear. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 2.1 says we must pay more careful attention to what we have heard. Mm. And this is, this is one that people don't like. Dear friends, in 1 John 4.1, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Mm -hmm. How many of our viewers, how many of us want to think that we've listened to demons, that we've listened to evil spirits? No, not many. But it's unthinkable to think that. But when you get into uh, Timothy, it says that a false doctrine is doctrines of demons. Mm -hmm. well, so makes sense we need end. to test the spirits because if we're listening to false doctrine, they are not good spirits. They can make you feel good, but that doesn't mean they are good. And the only way to test isn't by feelings. It's going to be by opening the Word of God and seeing if what they say is supported by the Word of God. For instance, polygamy. It's the big one. Mm -hmm. They always say it's in the Bible, mm -hmm. you know, and so they use, but they don't use the Bible contextually right. to explain it. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. It's, well, so it's rape and murder yeah. and pillage and stealing yeah. and all that's in the Bible too. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's go to uh, another topic, your, your P chapter, priesthood. On page 471, you quote the infamous McConkie. Quote, the presence or the absence of this priesthood establishes the divinity or falsity of a professing church. Mm. Now, you can take this and turn it around and say that because they have this priesthood, it proves they're false. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could, especially when you read the book of Hebrews. You betcha. Yeah, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and that is why, again, and you notice in our dialogue together here, we are using the Bible as the source to see if what McConkie's saying is right. Mm -hmm. And we both agree, you go to the book of Hebrews. Why? Because Hebrews says this, there is no priesthood anymore that Jesus is the high priest mm -hmm. and the priesthood is made of belief male and female, and it's a royal priesthood of believers. It has nothing to do with powers in rites and rituals through temples, etc. Right. And so uh, McConkie can be proven wrong on that. Uh, he definitely can, just by the Bible. And of course, your whole book is based on what they say compared to what the Bible says. Right. That's what makes it so precious. Right. And it's so easily re understandable read. You know, you Good. don't go into all these big, deep words where people have to find a dictionary to find out what they mean. Um, but each fundamentalist group, just like the LDS, claim that they have the priesthood. Mm. 
uh, Warren Jeffs has a priesthood, the Keesons have the priesthood, the All Red Group has the priesthood, the Mormon Church has the priesthood, uh, the Harpsons have the priesthood, uh, the, they each have their priesthood. Mm. Uh, and in fact, with the FLDS, the priesthood is so strong down there that everything is owned by the priesthood. The, mm. the property is owned by it, families are owned by it, even their children belong to the priesthood, they don't belong to their parents. Wow. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. I don't know if I, you know, you, do you guys have a beat button here? Because you might want to use it. Director, get ready. But I, I, I got to say this. In the Mormon temple, they, 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 there's a film, and they say, hey, Satan, what is that? And he says, it's an emblem of my power and my priesthood. Okay, there's this priesthood that's going on there. And in the end, when you go through the veil, a person swears with an oath, through handshakes and an oath, that this power of this priesthood would be on them and their family throughout all eternity. This priesthood power. Well, if we can prove from the Bible there is no priesthood of God here like that, then what are they talking about? Yeah. This power is passed down upon their families forever and ever. What is that? And how does it tie, and, and what was Satan talking about when he says, this is an emblem of my power and my priesthoods? Mm -hmm. I, that's terrifying to it me. It is. It's very terrifying. Yeah. If they understood the spiritual significance of this, that I, would, I would hope it would terrify them enough to start looking it up yeah. and start studying. And I the hope. book of Hebrews is a wonderful place to start. It really is. <clears throat> Uh, because there is no priesthood, like you said. And uh, Hebrews chapter 8 tells us very clearly, at the very end of chapter 8, it tells us that what is old is passing away. And they said the Aaronic priesthood is gone. Yeah. It's old and decrepit and That's passing right. away. Like a, it doesn't say like a, uh, <clears throat> like a scroll, like a piece of paper. It's deteriorating. No more. When the veil was rent, it's done. Jesus says, it is finished, done, mm -hmm. you know, and That's no right. more. That's right. He's the author and finisher of the faith. Oh, yeah, they. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we, uh, we still have some more to talk about, but we do have a message that we're going to break to. We are going to open up our telephone lines now, and our number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820, and you can call in if you have questions, if you'd like to add to our conversation. Also, uh, remember when we answer your call that you need to turn the volume down on your TV and that we do require a two-way two conversation, in this case maybe three-way conversation, or we will disconnect you if you don't give us some time to respond to what you say. So we do have a message right now that we'd like to break to. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at 
We want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And we are discussing the book where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face with uh, Sean McCraney as our guest and also the author of the book. Uh, we're discussing some of the topics that, uh, that he has in the book that would include both the polygamy beliefs as well as the Mormon church beliefs. Sean, wh- where can our viewers pick up a copy of your book? You can get it at any major Christian bookstore uh, in the U.S. Uh, that would be Lifeway Christian Bookstores, Berean Books, and Family Christian. Locally in Utah, you can get it at UTLM and uh, Lifeway on State Street and from us at www.hotm.tv. Those are the places. <laughs> okay. So, so <laughs> I also sell them out from the backside of my car. <laughs> if you see me on the street, you pull me over. Special discount. <laughs> Special discount is a street. We'll call it the Doris Hansen Street (laughs) Discount. Oh dear! Mention Doris Hansen's name, and we will give you a book with one page ripped out. (laughs) We're not even going to ask what page. Okay, we have on line two Yvonne calling from St. George. Hello, Yvonne. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. Yes. uh, I was wondering. uh, the Mormon Church seems to be growing so, so much since they, since Joseph Smith. What do you contribute? What, what is it that they have that draws people in so much, and why is it growing so, so much? Do you want to take that one? I'd love to. Uh, first and foremost, in terms of growing. Uh, Mormonism is a marketing machine, and so because they are a multi-billion dollar corporation and they can keep themselves in the face of everything that's going on, they seem like they're huge. So in terms of their 14 million members, they say there's five to seven who are literally active. That is nothing compared to a billion Muslims, a billion, a two, 1.2 billion Christians, I mean, and, 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 and Buddhists, so they, they have this appearance, however, in terms of power, I would agree, they are monumental. And all that bodes to is, you know, if you read 1 Corinthians and you read about, hey, the Lord uses the weak things, the debased mm-hmm. things, the broken things. 
the television sets where you know it takes uh, television studios where it takes volunteers to come in and do it, and not and not billion dollar. Uh, stations. This is the real thing right here. And when you look at Heart of the Matter, it's the real thing. The Mormon church can put tons of money behind it. They can build up City Creek with tons of money, but that is not of God. That's, That's right. of somebody else. That's absolutely right. And I'd also like to say on that, just recently, the past couple of weeks, we have heard news reports right from the Mormon church itself that they are decreasing right. and people are leaving in by hordes. Yeah. You know, they're, so they're, they're not growing as fast as the propaganda machine likes to tell us. Right. And one thing to add to that, Yvonne, and I know uh, Doris has a lot of other calls, but the thing about this is, is they have to give you the uh, impression that they're growing uh, in order to survive and to get people to keep buying into the lie. But like Doris said, people are starting to wake up. Yeah, yeah. Right, I woke up many, um, about 20 years ago and I became a born-again Christian. And I, I'm just, your show is amazing to me and I appreciate what you're doing and speaking about Christianity on your show and God bless both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. We appreciate your call. Good night. Okay, bye-bye. Uh-huh. Okay, we have James calling from Roy. Hello, James. Hi, Doris. How are you? I am fine, thank you. You're on the air. Uh, What's your question? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, just a question. Just let us know how ceremonies, I don't need the detail because it's a sacred ceremony, I believe. How are they taking place? Uh, you know, legally, you can't be married more than one woman in this country. So, does your church uh, see it in their eyes that they can, you can legally be married to three or more, or two or more, or whatever, and and that, and you guys take that in effect versus what the laws of the land is? Does that make sense? I didn't quite grasp what your question. Did you? Could you? It's the. It was kind of your sound is kind of muffled, James. I wonder if you can repeat that question. Okay. Um, the glasses got to go, and the uh, goatee's got to go. The what? <laughs> she. He said your glasses have to go, and your goatee has to go, Doris. <laughs> oh well, we'll go to the next call then. Thank you, uh, Emily, calling from Provo. Hello, Emily. Emily. Hi. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, um, I'm calling. I've watched you both for a lot of years, and I really enjoy you, and so do my mother and father. And they called me and told you we're both going to be on tonight, so I was excited to hear. Okay. And so I know there's a delay, so I'm having a hard time hearing you. Okay, what, did you have a question or a comment for tonight? No, I just wanted to make a comment. Um, I just, I have a lot of friends who are LDS. I was raised in Provo my entire life and um, have had a lot of issues with, you know, when I have questions on, you know, why, you know, why are you not LDS? You know, we have a lot of the same values, that type of thing. And a lot of the people have joined just due to the fact that their family values and they think they have great family values. And, you know, kind of knowing the past history, and I feel that not being LDS, I've done more study on the religion, and like you said, the tail end, you know, they'll feel the things first, and on the tail end, they'll know more. And so I just, I don't know how to go about those people to help them to open up to learn more. How do you open them up to learn more? Well, find uh, a challenging question for them is good, and, and Sean's looking up a scripture here, but let me say something, Emily, before he finds his scripture. The Mormon church does not have a corner on family values. 
You can go to any Christian church and you'll find good family values. You can go to many, many places who do not have any religion at all in it and they'll still have some good family values. So the fact that they want to use family values like they're the only one in the corner with it, they don't have a corner on the market for family values. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So did you have something? Yeah. Yes. Hey, Emily. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. A couple things. One is in Matthew chapter uh, 7, Jesus, and you're familiar with this, he says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and they will say, hey, uh, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Prophesied in your name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. So, so the, the idea, and it's not that the Mormons do wonderful works. I mean, relative to the body of Christ, they actually don't. But, but in any case, they think right. they do. And, and he says, I'll tell them, I don't even know who you are, you who work iniquity, okay? And so, uh, and then if you go to ja uh, cha John chapter 6, uh, they come to Jesus and they say, what might we do that we can work the works of God? So Jesus there says, you can prophesy, cast out nails, do all kinds of wonderful works. I'm going to say, I don't know who you are. And the Jews say, what do we do here in John chapter 6 that we can work the works of God? And this is what he says. Jesus says to them, this is the work of God, that you believe on him mm -hmm. who he has sent. The LDS do not believe on him who was sent. They have a different view. So long story short, Emily, I would talk to your LDS friends about saying, have you been born again? Do you know you are saved? Like Jesus talks about to Nicodemus, do you know this? And just use Jesus and his imperative to Nicodemus to, to, to open up the dialogue. Yeah, there's a scripture in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 that says that we write these things to you so that you will know that you have eternal life. Absolutely. We can know we have eternal life, and that's a good question to ask them. Do they know it? Do they think it, or do they hope so, or do they know so? And that's the And I agree too. with a lot of what Sean's saying. It's like they feel that there's like this like duties they have to do, and there's like a punch list of things, specifications mm -hmm. they have to meet. And, and it's just not true, and you just have that so engraved in their mind that they can't get past it, and it's trying to get them to understand that, right. that that's not the necessity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I will take those two scriptures, and those will be two I refer to. Okay. Good. And another set of scriptures is good, Matthew 11, uh, verses 28 through 30, where Jesus invites them to come, if your burden is heavy, to come and take his burden, because his burden is light. And that's Amen. a very good one, too. Amen. Okay, I Emily. just want to say you two are great. I really appreciate everything you do. I, I think that you're doing great works here in Utah, and I appreciate you. Thank you, Thanks, Emily. Emily. Mm, good night. All right. Bye. Thanks. Okay, we have an off-the-air question. Does genealogy lead to polygamy? Didn't we decide that it doesn't lead to it, but it uncovers it? Exactly. Okay. And then, Sean, a question for you. Do they still wear garments when they get married today? Absolutely. Okay, now we have a call. Virginia in Murray. Hello, Virginia. Virginia. Yo. Hi. You're on the air, Virginia. All right. Hi. Hi. Uh, this is Virginia. How are you? Uh, we're doing well, thank you. How are you? I am good. Um, I just want to also say hi, son. Um, hi, Virginia. I met you at Murray Park. Oh. And that was when we had the baptismal. I brought you some books. I remember. <laughs> from the Tanners. Thank you so much, Virginia. What's happening? Uh, 
God's great. God's great. Amen. Um, yeah, because, like, I don't know if I had a chance to tell you that years ago, and I was still searching because the LDS wouldn't answer my question. Did you just yawn? Um, I actually was involved with the LeBarons. Oh, you were? Yeah, and I was baptized. I lived in Mexico, living babysitter for um, one of his wives, met many of them. Oh, yeah? But came back here, lost track, was summoned to go to his... Do you know, well. are you familiar with who Susan Schmidt is? Pardon? Susan Schmidt, do you know her? Um, she was Vernon LeBaron's sixth wife. I'm not sure. I know the Chanoff. Uh, Rena Chanel, uh-huh. Eddie Marston, Roman, or, uh, let's see, there's Linda LeBaron, so it's been quite a few years ago, uh-huh. I have a lot of names, you know, with the Chanel also, Yeah. and, uh, well, even some have stayed here, I've got pictures of it, but, uh, so what are you doing now, Virginia? Unbelievable. What are you but doing now? I was just going to share, uh, scripture, uh, Psalms. 37, and this goes into basically, you know, that the people get impatient. They don't realize everything's on God's time, not our time. So true. And that it's not the church, it's the relationship with Christ. That's exactly right. That's where it all comes from, I think. That's a good point. I know, Mm -hmm. I know. It is. It isn't the church. The, the man-made church is nothing. It's just Not an enough. empty shell of nothing, of, of people huffing and puffing. They've got a lot of power, but mm-hmm. it, there, there's no organized church that is it. Jesus no. is it, and that's it. You need it. to stay in your Bible every day, reading every day, and sharing with everyone that will listen. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm praying that um, I'll be going to back to jail and or prison which I went, it's been 18 years that I've been out, praise the Lord, and uh, with the ministry, Good News Ministry. So I'm hoping to go in and be able to share Mm -hmm. the good news of Jesus. That would be great, Virginia. Stay in touch. I'd like to talk with you if you'd leave your phone number with the operator. I can give you a call. Thank you. Bye. I used right, to date Sean. a Karen Shanoff in junior high. Oh, yeah? Just, just, yeah. <laughs> just trying to liven up the whole Shanoff. Oh, you, yeah. <laughs> that was lively. That yeah. whole deal was lively, I'm the, telling the you. The whole family. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Susan from Logan. Hello, Susan. You're on the air. Hello, Doris. Hello, Sean. Hello, Susan. Oh, I, I'm a little nervous, so. Um, my husband and I, we watch Sean's show regularly. We're big fans. Um, Doris, I enjoy your program also. Thank you. And the question I have is, we come from, we, a lot of our family members are very active, strong testimony, if you will, of, of, of the Mormon organization. I, I won't call it a church. I call it an organization. And um, how do you reach those people? And how do you deal with the frustration of they're just so lost? and wrong. I mean, to watch your family members, people you love and care about, just so believing the lie, drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's hard. I try to talk to them. It turns into a big argument. They don't want to hear. They don't want to listen. That's my question. Susan, it, it takes a, a long time, a lot of prayers, and, and don't give up your prayers. Um, and, and, of course, 
I'm sure Sean faces that. Thing. I know I face that with family that's still in polygamy group, and 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 I pray for them every day. Uh, one thing that I did realize, though, uh, as I was facing that God's timing versus mine, um, His timing is different than mine. And uh, as long as we're praying for them and and having the okay. opportunity to to do that before God can't hear me. I can't hear you. Oh. Can you hear can, me? Can you hear? Yeah, I can hear now. Can you hear now? I can okay. hear Sean for a minute. It's breaking uh, up. Oh, my. Well, Susan, what I'm saying is don't stop praying for your family and realize that his timing is not your timing. So don't get discouraged. Just continue to pray and have hope that God loves them more than you do, and he wants to see them saved uh, more than you do. Is it worth it to continue the argument? No, don't argue. Okay. A good a good conversation, yes, if you're discussion, but I would say not to get into yeah. the arguments. You know, additionally uh, to what Doris said, uh, Susan, you know, Jesus, when he was alive, he, he didn't even reach his uh, family. Right. Uh, it, they, it was only after his death that they came around. Right. I'm not sure, and it takes a really specific unique kind of family that rallies around someone who leaves the church. It usually, you're not going to have very much success in your own family. A prophet has no honor in his own country. So you're going to probably have success reaching out, and it's going to take other believers to reach your family somehow. So also, so like Doris said, pray, 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 but you're just going to have to do it by osmosis and let other people really bring the news in all probability. That's a really, I like that. God isn't, a, a prophet isn't a prophet in his own country. I, that's a really good point. That's yeah. what Jesus said, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I hope that helps you, Susan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for Bye, calling. Susan. Good night. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Okay, in the church, an off-the-air question. In the church, what is a patriarchal blessing? Do the LDS, FLDS have one? Um, the FLDS is only one polygamy group. There's the FLDS, the AUB, the Kingston group, the Peterson group, the Harmster group. There's lots of polygamy groups. The FLDS is the one that Warren Jeffs is, is over. Um, and I, as far as I know, all the polygamy groups have patriarchal blessings. And of course, the church does. You want to explain the, the blessing? Patriarchal blessing is? is you go to the stake <laughs> patriarch and he lays his hands on your head and he supposedly receives. It's almost like a template that describes your life by virtue of revelation and uh, gives you keys to if you live your life righteously this thing will happen and this thing will happen and it's all based on your righteousness i have a true story uh, a friend who as a bishop and a bunch of girls came to him with their patriarchal blessings now they tell you when you're a uh, latter-day saint don't share these openly this is sacred scripture for you well these girls decided to get theirs out and compare them and they were really upset because they were essentially identical uh, when it came to what the stake patriarch said to each of them in their patriarchal blessings. So, uh, that's why uh, they don't share them. <laughs> that's why you don't share them. That's right. Okay. Line three, we have Susan. Oh, we had her. Line one, Sarah in Salt Lake City. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Doris. Um, I'm just calling in regards to, I'm questioning about young marriage. Uh, you're questioning about young marriage? What yes. about it? Um, so the situation that I have right now, I have a really close friend, and she's been engaged for one month, yet she's known the guy for a month and a week. That's and so I'm questioning, I mean, this actually has a lot to do with your show, and I, it's 
funny because I stumbled across it just about an hour ago when it came on. Mm. But he came from the FLDS religion. He came here in November. And she lives down in St. George. He came there, and now they're engaged. Like, they've known each other for a month. So I've tried to tell her my feelings on that, but I just I question why there's such a push for young marriage. Sex. <laughs> How young are they? Um, she's 18, and he's 25. <laughs> he's 25, and she's 18? Well, they're not that young. I mean, it, they don't know each other, and so I would, <laughs> I would have to say to wait till they know each other better, but um, I, they're not young in age. I'm just questioning why there's such... I, I mean, I've seen friends... I'm, I just graduated, and I'm seeing friends all over the state getting married and it's ridiculous and I'm just questioning because all of them do happen to be LDS. Well, we talked earlier. And that's why I question what the big push is for having such a young marriage, having such young, you know, she wants to be sealed in the temple, all of that. Yeah, well, that, we talked about that a little bit earlier in the show tonight about family and marriage that, that the LDS believe that you've got to be married and start a family in order to reach the highest levels of, of celestial glory. So that's part of their doctrine is to get married and have, start that family. And it's huge culture here too, sir. I mean, uh, we come from Southern California. <laughs> Moving here, there's billboards for bridal conventions and bridal stores on every corner. Girls go to proms and they buy their prom dress in the same place where they sell wedding dresses. It's insane. So it's part of the culture. And so your friends, what's the next thing you do when you get out of high school? You get married, plus there's sex. Yeah. Okay, so is there any advice that I, like, I mean, I doubt that she's ever going to listen to me on regards to, you know, waiting. But is there anything that I could possibly talk to her about? Well, if she doesn't want to listen, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. If she doesn't want to listen, yeah. I, I, you can't force it. Yeah. Okay. Love is blind, Sarah. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for calling. <laughs> Bye. What a culture we live in. It causes all kinds of more problems than oh, the normal, huh? Oh, gosh. Um, we're, we're getting to, to almost to where I've got to start closing with my closing remarks, Sean. So uh, I just want to thank you for coming. I want to uh, tell you how much we appreciate, how much our culture appreciates what you're doing and uh, the reach out that you're doing to people who are coming out of their belief system because of your outreach to them. And this book is touching many, many, many people. Thanks. So. Can I take... 20 seconds? 20 seconds. Okay. 17 I just, now. I want to tell you, uh, I didn't know the impact your ministry had until my wife and I met a woman who was trapped in polygamy. And that day, I realized how important this ministry is. Mm. So, mm. thank you. Thank, well, thank God that he has allowed and opened up the doors for us to, to serve him in this way. I want to close with some comments from Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, this is referring to saving faith, the faith that determines whether or not we will enter into celestial glory. We are saved by grace through faith. The Bible leaves no question or doubt about that. And now we learn here that saving faith comes only from hearing the word of God, which is the Bible. Now, when the polygamy groups or the Mormon church or any other organization claims that you must be in their group to get the true gospel, don't believe it. Because faith comes by hearing and it doesn't come from their group. It comes from the word of God. No one is born already saved. No one is born holding a ticket to heaven. Salvation is not resurrection. It is not inherited from our parents or our family or because we belong to a certain group. 
all people are sinners and all people are condemned because we are sinners and all people are offered the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and only Savior. Everyone is saved only by grace and only through faith which comes only through the Word of God. That's what the Bible says. Reading the Book of Mormon and practicing polygamy and trusting in Joseph Smith and keeping the Sabbath day and embracing a priesthood and having lots of babies and expressing a testimony uh, based on feelings instead of facts, none of these will have anything to do with your eternal life because it's only through Jesus Christ. Nothing else has any power for your eternal life at all. So what you need to do is read the Bible so that you can get the saving faith that is needed for your eternal life and throw out everything else because nothing has anything else to do with it uh, and you don't need to earn God's favor because only Jesus Christ has God's favor and when we embrace Jesus Christ and Him alone for celestial glory then we also have God's favor because we're in Christ and that's the only way. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.